I've been reading the the uh, guidelines, the municipalities' guidelines for um, our latest uh, round of hunker down um, instructions. And they're issued by the mayor's office, uh, but I've been wondering who actually wrote them. I think it might have been Ebenezer Scrooge or maybe the Grinch, um, somebody who hates Christmas. I, I don't know if uh, you're aware of this, but pastors learn this, that Christmas is usually in, in, a, in a typical year for most churches, uh, Christmas is the day of the year that we have our highest attendance. And the reason is because it's it's an opportunity for people to, uh, to for, for the people in the church to to connect with people who are not regularly a part of the church that that maybe it's somebody who's in in a extended family who decides to come with with us for Christmas or maybe it's somebody from our community somebody who is just thinking you know maybe this year we should go to to the Christmas service and so it's an opportunity for us to actually um, share the gospel with people who aren't regularly a part of our of our fellowship, and so um, it's it's a big day in the life of the church, and typically that's reflected in a high attendance number, and that's a good thing. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, I don't think it's going to be our highest attendance in 2020. Um, but uh, but I don't know a lot about what's going to happen this year. That's that's the one thing this year has been teaching me is that whenever I make plans, uh, I get new plans, and uh, then I get new new plans. Even even the, the guidelines we've gotten, this is Executive Order 16, and the first one, if I recall correctly, the first one for COVID was Executive Order 10. So um, we've already gone through uh, six different executive orders relating to COVID, and of course they've got attachments and so forth that change. So um, there's been a lot of changing um, at the government level and uh, certainly in, in churches, and uh, that's not unique to churches. It's not unique to pastors. Margo and I were planning to have a uh, a trip this uh, year. We were planning to uh, take a cruise. After eight years in Alaska, we were finally going to take a cruise of the Inside Passage. And then the Diamond Princess got uh, uh, quarantined in Yokohama for uh, whatever it was, just, just about a month. And so uh, the cruise industry was affected by, by COVID. So um, that's an example of the way um, things have changed uh, for us as people as well as uh, church people. So, um, and, and I know that, that this is not news to you. There's nothing unique about our experience. In fact, it's, it's very typical. You've, you've had to deal with these same things. If you were planning to go to the hospital or you were not planning to go to a hospital, uh, but uh, circumstances in your life meant you had to, those things have changed. Um, there's, there's been, uh, all the changes in terms of the way that that our travel plans or our work plans or or our plans for education all of these things have changed because of covid and they may have changed more than one time depending on your circumstances maybe you you originally uh, made this change to your your travel plans and then you realize you're just going to have to cancel it completely so so we've all been dealing with this and and my guess is a lot of us are tired of having um uh, having to make a new plan and then having the rug pulled out from underneath us again. That's just been this kind of year. I mean, this can happen in any year, right? Emergencies, you don't get to schedule when an emergency happens. And um, we don't know if there's going to be a bad weather that cancels a trip or that uh, damages our house or whatever, and we've got to fix that. So we don't know um, about these things normally. We don't know about economic downturns or, or things that change our our finances. But this year in particular, it's just been a very hard year in terms of trying to make plans. And if if you are like me, if you're like most people, I think this this year has been a, a year when when you have had to make a lot of changes, and you probably 
gotten tired of making changes to your plans. And, and if so, I think um, there's a lot to learn from our reading today because it's the story of the all-time champion uh, a human being for, for making uh, changes to their plans. And, and it's the story of Joseph. Um, and, and so we're going to look at it. It comes from Matthew's... Um, Matthew's uh, biography of Jesus. If you have a New Testament, it should be roughly on, on page one. Um, if you've got a Bible like this, it'll be somewhere in the middle. But uh, we're reading the, the story of um, uh, Jesus's biography, and it begins with a, with a genealogy, the way some, some Bible books have is a, a genealogy. But then it begins with the actual story in verse 18, and it tells us that, that the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. So, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. So we're going to learn about these different people who were involved in uh, the, the upbringing of Jesus. And we start with Mary, his mother. So we learned about her last week. And if you weren't able to join us last week, then you can you can catch up online. It's still online. So you can watch that and, and learn more about Mary. But uh, that was last week when we were looking at Luke's biography. Today we're looking at Matthew's biography. And we're going to learn about the birth of Jesus from a different perspective, the perspective of Joseph. So what do we know about Joseph? Well, like I said, he is the all-time champion of changed plans. He is the the one person who has had to uh, make changes to their plans because of a miraculous birth to a virgin in all of human history. There's never been one like that before, and there will never be one uh, since. So, um, so Joseph. Uh, all we know really about Joseph is the way he has had to change plans. He changes plans in our reading today, and if we read on to chapter two, we see he has to make changes there too. So, so literally, the only things we learn about Joseph in the New Testament are that he is he is um, somebody who adapts to to changing circumstances. So, uh, it says. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And again, this is something we heard last week. So we know, uh, we know as readers that, that Mary has become pregnant by a, a miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit. That um, she's not pregnant the normal way, she's pregnant because of this miraculous um, intervention. So we know that. Joseph doesn't know that though. So, so what we do know is that they are engaged um, and uh, not yet married. So in that culture, an engagement was a big deal. It was a very formal process, and it could only be broken off by an equally formal process of divorce. So they are engaged, but they have, but they, they have not yet um, become uh, completed the process of becoming married. So, and, and at this point, she became pregnant, and Joseph. Uh, assumes because he's he's human. He assumes that, and, and he didn't he didn't get the memo yet. We're gonna we're gonna hear about that in a minute. Um, Joseph assumes that she became pregnant by another man, and so it says Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. Now, there's two things we can we can learn about this. First of all, we can learn that that um, that. Uh, what what the New Testament teaches us about uh, marriage and uh, engagements and so forth is that they are perfectly legitimate, and that that's that's something a righteous person can do. And maybe maybe that uh, seems obvious, but at different times in history that has not been obvious. Last week we saw the way that Christians had um, elevated the the uh, uh, status of people who were celibate. That in in the first century culture it was actually illegal to be unmarried. 
and they have changed Christians when they became in a position to, to change the laws, they actually made that something that was legal. But it was never expected that many people would be celibate, that that would always be something that people had uh, a unique calling to. In, in one of his letters, the Apostle Paul tells us that, that not many people have the, the, the gift of celibacy, that, that most people should get married. In fact, he says it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So this is a normal thing, and and uh, there's nothing wrong with it, despite the way that some people uh, may think it's better to uh, to um, to not be married. The the New Testament has never argued that. So so they are planning a marriage, but uh, Joseph assumes that that she is pregnant by another man, and so he decides to divorce her. But it says he decides to divorce her quietly, that he doesn't want to humiliate her. And for some people watching this message, that may be something you need to hear because because of the way that uh, people who call themselves Christians have treated you in the past, that they thought that when sin was exposed, the whole idea was to humiliate people, to to call it out, to make a big point of it. But that's not what Christianity teaches. Christianity teaches us, as we see here, that a righteous person does not want to humiliate other per, other people that what they realize is that sin is is part of humanity and that that Joseph assumes that Mary has sinned and he still doesn't want to humili- humiliate her that in, instead Christians believe that sin is an occasion for expressing the grace and mercy of God that that's something that Christians should do and that's what Joseph is planning to do so his plan A was to get married, but that has fallen through. And now Joseph is working on plan B, which is to divorce Mary and to do so quietly. So he's thinking this over. And a good idea there, as you make your plans, take some time to do a good job of it. So he's thinking this over. And an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the chair, the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So now he knows what we know as the readers. He knows that this is in fact a miraculous child, that Mary has not sinned, and Mary has not uh, uh, been with another man, that this is this child is there miraculously. And again, we talked about that last week, so you can uh, learn more about that there. And the angel goes on, he says, he says that um, in verse 21, she, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What 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 he's reminding Joseph is that sin is a human condition, but it's not something we are capable of fixing. He says God is going to fix it, that God will take care of the sin, that that's that this child uh, has a role in doing that, that he will be the one to save his people from their sins. Jesus will be the one who actually saves people, that we can't save people, and and uh, as a result, it's not our responsibility to to call out sin or to to make people um, uh, uh, embarrassed by their sin. It's an opportunity for us to be gracious and merciful. So he says that somebody else is is in charge of the sin; that God's going to take care of that. And then he he continues and says that this is part of God's plan. So again, the Matthew is telling us as the reader. He says this is something that God did to fulfill a prophecy. In verse 22, Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So what he's referring to here is a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah had uttered 
um, 700 and some years ago uh, to to um, one of the kings of Israel, and he had said that that there he was pointing at a he was pointing presumably we don't know if he's pointing but he indicated a woman who was not pregnant and said she will have a child that that God's going to intervene be, between now and when that child is born she will have a child and when she has the child it will be a reminder to you it'll be a sign to you that God is on your side God is with us and what Matthew says is that it 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 had that original meaning, but more than that, it pointed, it was a sign that pointed to something bigger that God was doing, that, that it would have an immediate fulfillment 700 years ago, but that it in turn pointed to something much bigger that God was doing at, with, with Jesus. That when Jesus came, it would not simply mean that God was on our side, but it would mean that God was actually with us, that, that the ordinary birth that he referred to in, in Isaiah, is now a miraculous birth, and it has a, a greater meaning. Not simply that God is is on our side, but that God is with us. So, so he refers to to uh, the prophet and says this this um, this uh, reaches its its culmination. This prophecy has a has a extra meaning that we now see in the life of Mary and Joseph. So, it says that there is this miracle, and when Joseph woke up. He did just as the angel from God had commanded. So when Joseph woke up, he did what was commanded. Now it's interesting, back in verse um, 20, the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do this. Uh, but now in, um, in 24, verse 24, we have, we have the third plan. This is plan C. And plan C is to do what the angel tells you to do. So um, uh, that that gentle suggestion, "Don't be afraid," um, is now seen as a command. And I guess that's true. If you if you have a dream of an angel, um, then uh, do what the angel says. And I should I shouldn't make fun um, because because we have dreams for different reasons. If you have a dream, uh, maybe you just ate too much pizza. And if that's the case, here's here's a simple test. If if um, if it contradicts anything we find in the scriptures, then it was just too much pizza. That that no angel is going to come and contradict something that is in the the New Testament and the Hebrew scriptures. So so with that proviso, if you have a message from an angel that says don't be afraid to do something, then yes, treat that as as a command. So so that's what Joseph does. He he um, uh, he took um, Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until they gave birth, until she gave birth to a son, and Joseph called him Jesus. So, so Joseph has a a new plan that is handed to him by the angel. It's Plan C. It's the latest uh, iteration of this process he's been going through, one plan after another, uh, being replaced. And so, what 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 should we learn from this? I mean, I, I'm assuming that you haven't had an angel appear to you. And again, if you have. Do what he says. But if you haven't have an angel, if you're if you're like the rest of us and you're making plans, it's 2020 and you're making plans about COVID and about travel and about work and education and all the other reasons we we make plans in our lives. What what should we do? Should we just give up on making plans? No, we should not. The 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 lesson here is not to give up making plans. And in fact, Jesus tells us directly. He says uh, in in uh, Luke's biography, Jesus says. To, to make plans. He, he, he says to count the cost. And he uh, mocks a king who would go to war without figuring out if he had enough troops to fight the other, the other army. 
he uh, mocks somebody who would start a building project. You know, I'm going to build this this big uh, building, but I don't have enough um, supplies. I don't have enough bricks or whatever it was. And and so he says, of course you have to plan, but we should hold on to our plans loosely because they may have to change. So we should plan, uh, we should count the cost, but we need to realize that sometimes our plans will change. So what should we do when our plans have to change? Well, the first thing we should do is we should change our plans. That, that Joseph has changed his plans. He changed from plan A to plan B. That sometimes that plans are an opportunity for us to, to be creative. Um, and again, we may be tired of it, but, but if you think about it, God is a creative God. And God made us in his image. And one of the things we get to do, because we are in his image, is we get to be creative. We get to exercise our creativity. You notice the angel does not come to Joseph and says, Okay, Joseph, um, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And the, the marriage will be on the, the second Saturday in June. And the bridesmaids are going to wear a purple dress. And you're going to use this company for the caterer. He doesn't say all that. He says, he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And the rest he leaves up to Joseph. That's, that's up to Joseph or more likely Joseph's mother-in-law, um, to figure out the details of the wedding. We're allowed to be creative. That, that God wants us to be creative. And sometimes our plans need to change. But that should, we, we, we can, if we want, we can see that as an opportunity for us to be creative, to, to, uh, exercise our God-given creativity. So we can make our changes. I think for a lot of churches, certainly our church, but, but most of the churches where I've talked to pastors or heard them talking, um, we're, we're learning the way that, um, for the last long time, most churches have, have focused their work around having a building. I'm, I'm in a building right now. We're used to the idea that churches are uh, contained in our buildings and and we we have focused so much of our missional activity that, that we assume the the work we do is the building and and we're learning that a church is not a building we're learning that a church is a community that comes together um, online or on the phone or however we've been connecting during this covid time we're we're being reminded that a church is the community of believers and we come together so we can support each other as we try to put into practice the things that that God is teaching us as we become more and more like his son. So so we do that and we reach out to other people who haven't heard the good news about Jesus and and neither of those things requires a building but what we're learning is that we have leaned on our buildings so much that this is a place where we need to be more creative. We need to learn to be more creative about how we do the work of a church without necessarily tying everything to a building like this. So that, so we can be creative. We can be creative in our own lives, and we can certainly be creative as a community of faith. So the first thing we do is plan. The second thing we do is we we expect that there will be times where we have to make, make changes to our plans, and so we can be creative. The third thing we can do is we can check our assumptions, because sometimes... Our plans are built on an assumption that that is actually the reason we're making the the change. Uh, in the case of Joseph, the reason he makes the change, the reason he goes from plan A to plan B, is because he believes that Mary has been unfaithful. So he thinks, okay, well, okay, I have to make a new plan now. But but that is that is based on the assumption that Mary has been unfaithful. When he learns from the angel that Mary has not been unfaithful, that this child is a miraculous child, he he can say, oh, okay, 
I, I need to revisit my, my planning process. And so what he does is he comes up with plan C. And if you look at it, plan C is almost the same as plan A. There's, there's a few differences. Uh, one of the differences is that, is that, um, they, Matthew tells us they don't have sexual relations until after the child is born. So that's a difference from, from probably what either one of them expected. But it's, it's not that different. It's, it's different, but it's not as different as, as divorcing, um, uh, Mary. So it is, it is a little different. The other thing is, is that his life is going to be different as a result of it. Uh, we, we learn in, in the next chapter that he has to flee to Egypt in order to, to, uh, to avoid the, the, I guess, henchmen of King Herod who's trying to find the child. So, so he has to flee and spend a period of time as a refugee in Egypt before Herod dies. So there are changes to, to his plans. But we know that, that changes come, that, that the nature of any kind of experience of life on earth is that there will be changes to our plans. So um, there's going to be some changes. And, of course, he has to deal with all the um, the, the grins and the, the uh, snotty remarks and the, the, the knowing looks from people who don't really know, but they think they know what the story is with Jesus. So So there are some changes to plan A. But plan C is almost the same as plan A. It's only different. Um, uh, it, th- there are some differences, but it, th- his his need to come up with a new plan, Plan B, is is not there because his his assumption about Mary turns out not to be true. So we can we can check our assumptions. We can find out what what assumptions do we need to check. I mentioned that we we've, we've been um, trying to figure out what we can do for Christmas, um, and you know I've been reading these because we're trying to figure out is there something we can do for Christmas. I think that there is, and we'll be we'll be talking about that um, over the next couple of weeks. And I know we're getting close, but that's the nature of of this: is that we may be on Executive Order 17 or 18 by then. So so we're going to hold on to our plans loosely, but it, it, they're they're based on the idea that that somehow um, we need to come in here and we need to have all the decorations and we need to have um, the 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 Christmas we've been used to. But if we say, okay, is there something we can do for Christmas? If we say, I've been assuming we, we can have um, Christmas only in a certain way, and we can say, well, maybe if I if I check my assumption about having a building, then maybe there is something we can do. And what we're hoping to do, what we're thinking right now, is that we'll do something outdoors that's properly socially distant, and it'll be kind of like our, our regular Christmas service where we go outside and sing A Silent Night, and we're thinking that we may be able to do that again, subject to uh, executive orders that keep changing. So uh, that's our current thinking. So we may need to check our assumptions. And when we do, we may find out we can still do what we were hoping to do or something close. And lastly, there's this, because we do get tired. And we get tired of making changes. We get tired of having the rug pulled out from under us. And when we do that, what we can do is remember that God has a plan too. Just like he had a plan that he revealed partially to Isaiah and fully in, in the life of Christ, that we didn't understand the plan completely, but God has had the plan all along, and that is the plan to save his people from our sins. So God has a plan too. And if we just say, look, I am fresh out of ideas. I don't have anything left. What can I do? We can remember that God has a plan. And we can remember that that's true for other people, that maybe we're not tired of planning. Maybe we can just keep getting back up and coming up with a new plan. But the people around us might not. So what we can do is we can do what 
God always calls us to do, which is to show grace and understanding and mercy and love to people because it's been that kind of a year. We can remember that it's not up to us any more than it is to save ourselves from sin. That that's a, that's a God problem. Our problem is much smaller. If we are simply gracious and merciful to the people around us, God will take care of the sin and God will take care of the other things that need to get done. That ultimately our job is so much simpler. If we don't have a good plan, that's okay. God does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, um, we thank you for this story, the, the story about Jesus and the way that he came to save us from our sins. We thank you, Lord, for the lessons we have from Joseph that, that we don't have to, uh, uh, call out sin. We don't have to shame people for their sin. That sin is, sin is ultimately a problem that only you can fix. So teach us, Lord, how we can be gracious and merciful to people, how we can be gracious to people that um, we might have seen this Christmas, uh, this Christmas Eve, uh, but we might not see now, or we might not see in a church in a church setting. Uh, Lord, help us to remember that other people are tired of planning just like we are. Help us to to rest in the assurance that that you will take care of the important things, and that we can make our plans, we can be creative, we can check our assumptions, but ultimately our life is secure because it is it is in your hands. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.